Have you heard of the term NRE for new relationship energy? No, go on. So it's that sparkly, bubbly, glowing, exciting feeling that comes when you're enraptured by a new person. Yes. Well, I feel like when we met, we had that sparkly energy. You totally have that. And we still We do. It's just, it didn't, (laughs) the honeymoon phase is not over or maybe it is. And this is the real meat of our relationship already. And we are just, it's nice. It's the, are we gel? Yeah, we sure do. Welcome to Big Time Adulting, the podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Murray. Buckle up and get ready to take it deep on life, relationships, parenthood, and everything in between. Join in with me to feel deeply, provoke your inner spirit, and laugh or cry because we all know it's a pretty fine line. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the Big Time Adulting Podcast. A little unusual format for me this week. I am the guest. Um, I have my wonderful, beautiful, amazingly creative, smart, funny, kind, new podcast producer interviewing me today, Cameron Molyneux. She's a documentary filmmaker. She is a mom of two little kids and she reached out to me to help me with my podcast. And we have been working together ever since you might've noticed my podcast has gotten a little bit better and more consistent. And we decided today would be a fun opportunity to turn the camera around, if you will, uh, and have Cam interview me as that is actually her craft. She's an interviewing queen. Thanks for having me, Caitlin. Oh my God. No, thank you for having me. (laughs) Fire away. Okay. Now you deserve an intro. Oh God. Caitlin Murray is the brains and balls behind big time adulting. She is a household name, beloved by moms, some dads, celebrities, comedians, athletes, psychologists, parenting experts, for her raw, hilarious, and unashamed perspective on motherhood. And if I was an American Idol judge, I'd say that she was a stylist, that her voice and point of view was identifiable. (laughs) Why do you think so many people resonate with your message? What are you trying to do? I guess like the only, the message that I always try to convey in um, maybe hidden ways or through humor or things that aren't like completely obvious all the time is that like, there's no one right way to do motherhood and that however you're doing it and whatever works best for, for you is truly, truly the best way for you and your family, because you have to be happy in all of this. Like, you have to feel fulfilled and find a balance that works for you. And a balance is not always going to be readily available. Like some parts of life are just a grind and you just have to get through it and put one foot in front of the other and keep going until you're into the next phase. But, you know, celebrating your little wins along the way and like taking care of yourself where you can and prioritizing yourself when you can and and not feeling bad about that and not thinking that the way somebody else is doing things should be the way that you're doing things. Like fuck what everyone else is doing. You do things that work for you and don't become, you know, insecure about the way that your thing's doing. Follow your gut, have confidence in yourself, know yourself because you know your kids and your family better than anyone else. So fucking own it. Be the mom that you are, not the mom that anyone else is. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. So I was wondering, 
What were you like before having kids? What was your life like? College, Caitlin really knew how to party. And so did like early 20s, late 20s, Caitlin, before kids. Like we had, I lived in New York City with my husband, Mike, and um, we went to college together. So after we graduated, I ended up moving into an apartment with three of my best friends. And he was already um, living in New York. At the, He's from New York. So um, he was actually living on his dad's couch for a while, uh, right out of school. He had a job. But uh, anyway was kind of waiting for one of our other friends to move to the city and they moved in together. So there was this period of years where like it was him and I um, together as a couple, but also like doing our own thing. Like definitely uh, we had our friends and our groups and, and different jobs and different lives. And we we're just running around like fucking wild animals all over New York city for like a solid eight years, I would say. Um, And we went through like our ups and downs as a couple as well. So I'm not really describing myself. I'm describing us in this, in this segment, I suppose. But personally, I mean, I was, I was working like in a, you know, sort of corporate environment, although it was like a nonprofit job that was um, highly based on like parties and entertainment. And so I was out all the time, just like literally ripping it, having so much fun, having no money, um, like just living paycheck to paycheck. It would be like you get paid on a Thursday night and you'd be out at the bar and you'd have like, you know, $5 left in your bank account and it would turn midnight and you'd get paid and you'd be like, but next trail's on me. Like I got, like, <laughs> I just got paid. Um, and so, yeah, it was just like, I had a lot of fun. I, I explored, I went places, I hung out with my girlfriends and just, uh, it was very independent. I lived alone and paid my own bills and, all that shit. So, um, that's what my life was like right before kids. And then when I was around, um, I guess we got engaged when I was about 27 or 28, maybe 28. And we kind of like, we didn't move in together until a little after we had gotten engaged. And then we were married for a couple of years before we had a child. And even that whole time, that period of time of being married and, um, engaged, prior to kids was also just like so fun. You know, I could just remember like strolling the streets of New York city with Mike, like Saturday mornings and just sort of seeing where the day would take us. Um, starting out with like, you know, grabbing coffee and breakfast and then just keeping on rolling straight through the day. Sometimes like never going home, just eventually hitting a bar and, (laughs) um, yeah, lots of, Lots of carefree fun. Before you had kids, did you ever fantasize about what it would be like to be a mom? I feel like it's so funny because it's such a moment that we all, I think, imagine in our minds for our entire lives, like as kids and stuff, you think about when you're a mom. And so it, when it, even when it happens, it's very surreal. You're like, this is my, this is happening now. This like moment that I've wondered about and imagined my entire life is actually here now. And I'm doing this. And I think I had like these visions of taking my baby home from the hospital and it being like warm and cozy and, and, you know, just like this really beautiful, peaceful time of life. And it wasn't really like that. 
it was beautiful in a lot of ways, but also so difficult and different from what I think I had imagined. Definitely much different from what I had imagined in my mind. Cause I, I think, you know, as like little kids, dreamers, whatever, we, we picture like what the fairy tales sort of show us. And, and that's, I feel like that was like the first real also like, wow, this is really hard thing that I encountered. Like there were other things I had imagined throughout life. Like what would it be like when I was in high school? And what would it be like when I was in college and, and like as a young adult, you know? And I think all of those fantasies like lived up to my expectations of them. And then becoming a mother was like a completely like, this is not exactly what I expected. This is much harder. Yeah. (laughs) Very humbling. You might relate to this. Like for me, I was so independent before having kids and just did what I want when I wanted. And I think one of the biggest things is this like loss of freedom and just alone time. It's a, it's, it's a big challenge. Yeah. The complete loss of your autonomy is like a very difficult thing to wrestle with and to come to terms with after having children. And in some ways, like you find it again, but it's completely different. You never really have that like pick up and go carefree, um, you know, mentality or ability after you've had a child. It's like, that's it. And I didn't realize that that was going to come like that. It was just going to be get ready to just, and it's okay. You know, I'm fine with it. Like, I'm not trying to be a baby about it. Like, I wish I could just go back to pre-kid life, but because I don't want to go back to that, but I just didn't realize what a difference it was going to be for me. How do you think you've changed for the better since you've become a mom? I think I've changed for the better in like every way possible, to be honest, um, as hard as it's been and, and, um, as difficult of things that we've gone through, um, with Callum being sick and, you know, all of the things that have happened along the way, including the pandemic and everything that was really, that were really difficult experiences to go through as a parent, um, have all probably changed me for the better. I think I'm probably, I think we're all kind of maybe day by day becoming the best version of ourselves if we're staying kind of checked in and aware of who we are and working on it. So um, always striving. That's why I don't care about getting older, you know, that much. I'm just like, I'm getting better. So I don't want to die, but yeah. (laughs) So you and I have talked a lot about this desire for more, wanting more creatively and career-wise. And it's fulfilling to be at home with the kids on a level, but it coexists with this desire for more and wanting to prioritize your own passions and dreams. How do you wrestle with that? You know, it's fulfilling is one way to say what it has felt like to be home with the kids. And like responsibility is the other word I would use. And I think those like things come in different phases. Like sometimes as a mom, you're like really good with that rule um, until maybe all your kids go off to school. And then you're like, well, now I want to find something else that I'm passionate about and dive deeper into this thing that I've always loved or whatever. And um, I think it's just very hard for mothers to feel like they're um, entirely fulfilled in any of their roles at all because of societal pressures as well, you know? I think a lot of parents can relate to that. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's like different strokes for different folks all around, right? So like some women are going to be like very fulfilled by their role as a stay-at-home mom. And that's awesome. And if, if they can be a stay-at-home mom, you know, like if that works for their family for them to do that, then like all the stars align. Wonderful. Um, if you are a working mom who has to be at work but would rather be at home with their kids, then that's very difficult too. You know, like you feel like you're maybe missing out on parts of your kid's childhood or that you want to be there for certain things that you just cannot be there for. So there's, and then the duality of maybe you are a stay at home mom, but you want to be a working mom or follow your inspirations or passions more. So there's this whole host of situations that go on for unique to moms. Cause I don't think dads really feel this whole pull at, at even close to the same extent that mothers do. Maybe some of them do a bit, but I think for the most part, this is like a mother's issue. Can you say more about the tension between accepting your role as the main caregiver, but also feeling like it's a sacrifice? You know, it's one of those things that you don't even want to say it, but I do feel like often that I have a responsibility to be at home for my family because of our circumstances, I had that responsibility, but it, it wasn't necessarily where I felt like passionate about being, you know, it didn't, um, it didn't fill my cup to be trapped inside the house with like babies and toddlers at all. Like it made me feel like I was going fucking crazy most of the days there. And, um, I wish I was a, a stay at home mom that felt like I was completely, contented by that role, um, at home and, and didn't have like things that I, I wanted to pursue outside of that for now or whatever. Um, particularly in my situation where I, I did stop working at the job that I had been at when Callum was sick, um, in order to be available for him at that time. And that is my honor to be there for my son during that time. It's okay. Thanks. Um, he's such a good boy. Um, but anyway, it was hard. I didn't necessarily like want to be there every day doing all the things that I had to be doing for my family at that time. So, you know, it was somewhat of a sacrifice in some ways, um, to, relinquish like the other parts of my life that made me more than just a stay at home mom, but it is such a, such an important job. And, um, and I don't think there is anyone better than me to do it. So, um, I'm happy to have been there for them. And, um, I also have to try to let that, that not make me feel guilty for wanting, um, other things and more things for myself professionally and career wise, which is, uh, sort of what I'm trying to do now and accept now and take, um, you know, some of the, the, what I've built on Instagram and through that platform to, um, to make it into a career for myself, which, it's hard to say, but like, I'm proud of myself and, and really feel super validated for um, putting myself out there hard and um, getting so much love in return from the world via the internet. So you are a national treasure, Kate. <laughs> like, we are all so lucky 
to have you put yourself out there because it's so validating and you're just so real. I try. I mean, I don't really try. I do try to keep it real because, you know, it's, it's, you could like easily like curate um, your image a little bit. And it's not like what you see on Instagram is like the full real me. There are parts of me that I don't share. I don't really talk about my marriage or um, that kind of thing. And I, and I try to stick to like the script of, of motherhood stuff all related to my kids and how, but that's so much of, of who I am right now anyway. So it certainly consumes my, my world and my thoughts and stuff, but I do try to stay pretty raw. So I want to take 30 seconds to talk about Perfect Bar, who is making this episode possible. These are nutrient-packed protein bars. They have this like amazing cookie dough-like texture that I love. My favorite flavor is the coconut peanut butter. They also have a snack size available, which is just right up my alley, obviously. My favorite snack size flavor is the dark chocolate chip. And what I truly love most about these bars is that I trust them. So they're refrigerated because they're not jammed with preservatives and they contain real whole foods. So do yourself a favor and try out Perfect Bars. And now back to the show. Your son Callum was diagnosed with leukemia when he was three. This was like your initiation into motherhood. Like that is so intense and scary. Yeah, it was really, really fucking scary. Um, I mean, it was one of those things that as you can imagine as a parent, like that is just your worst nightmare coming true. You know, like the, the news that you never, ever want to hear. Retrospectively, I can look back at that time and say, fuck, we were lucky, you know, because he's well now and thank God for that. And that's all that really matters to me in the world. Um, but at the time you're in like this basically nightmare and, and you just are literally wondering if it's a dream, like if you're going to wake up from this bad dream, um, but uh, going back to kind of what you were saying as it, it being my introduction to motherhood and, and being like my first like crazy shit that happened to me outside of all the other crazy shit that happens on a regular basis as a mom. But it's really reminiscent actually of what happened when Callum finished treatment with, with COVID beginning, right, the pandemic beginning right at that time as well, because when Callum got diagnosed, he had just turned three years old and he had just started like a regular school program. And I've always been really open about how babies and toddlers are not my jam. You know, I like when they get a little older, they have independence, we're having conversations, we're doing things that like we enjoy in tandem and not just me creating the fun or the activity for them. Um, and so I felt like I had just gotten him to that point where, wow, I can like see the light from the last three years of being like a baby and toddler mom. And now he's going off to school. And then all of a sudden that was over very abruptly because he had to be pulled out of like any activities and we didn't go anywhere for quite a while. So it was sort of the same thing. And this is actually the first time that I just put that together in my head. It was like a really similar experience twice in a row. And I think that probably like fucked me up. How are you handling that now? Mm. <laughs> I think I've come to terms with it. You know, um, I actually haven't got, I did go to therapy when Callum was in treatment at the beginning, but I think I was just so much like in it and survival mode at that point that I, um, didn't 
really benefit from many of the things that we were talking about at that time. And then in 2020, after, you know, I think I was just too, I was too overwhelmed to put anything else on my plate, like trying to get to therapy because I was homeschooling and, um, or remote learning, I should say, and had a toddler and we had just moved and there was a lot of work going on in our house. I was completely overwhelmed. And so to, to try to like focus more time on me at that point. And I think I was still in the midst of like this sort of PTSD phase probably, and just reeling with anxiety and particularly health anxiety at that point. It seemed like you had three solid years of treatment and chemo and right when you were about to come out of that um, and be finished is when the pandemic hit. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. It was a real slap in the face, to be honest. It was like the most, one of the, the, as hard as like Callum's um, diagnosis was and painful as to see your child going through those difficult treatments for so long and the toll that it takes on their little bodies because he was only three years old at that time finishing up that treatment process, like I had this date in my mind, we were told like the protocol was going to finish was if everything went according to plan in March of 2020. And we were told this in December of 2016 when we began. And I was kind of like, holy fucking shit. That is a long time to be dealing with all of this and going through this, but like we can do it. We're just going to, keep putting one foot in front of the other. And as long as he's okay, like head down, let's get through this, you know, and and do our best. And then that day was like approaching and it was like in my mind for so long, like we're going to celebrate and like live life without the worries of treatment and cancer and the effects of that on his little body anymore. And it's just going to be so freeing. And then it was right back at home. And at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, no worries. I can do this. Like we've done this for the last three years, basically, like we're good at staying home and doing nothing right now. But as it got further in, and then I think that whole concept of life events being out of my control sort of settled in with me. And like maybe the PTSD of that kind of came out and really messed with my anxiety. I was so, so anxious for all of 2020 and into the beginning of 2021. How does that come out in you? Yeah, that's so, um, it wasn't even like necessarily targeted at Callum's health. Like I wasn't, I was confident he was healthy at that point. Um, and, and that his treatment had worked and been successful. It was just like with anything else or like with myself, I was like very, like, I was worried. I had a brain tumor at some point. I was like, I, what my eye, I had this issue that happened with my eye, which was, I think, stress related and it affected my vision. And I was like, I have a brain tumor. And, but I had also had an aunt and a cousin that passed from a brain tumor and was, was living with a brain tumor and they were a mother daughter pair actually. And so that was like a also massive weight on me, the anxiety of that and just the pain of watching like my family go through that as well. And with health anxiety, I think you, you tend to see something that someone else is going to going through and you, you take it on to yourself. You're like, well, this could have this, this happened to them, it's going to happen to me, or it could happen to me, you know? So that's the way it kind of like my anxiety manifested at that time. 
And it was just a daily thing in my mind. I woke up constantly worried about health. So are you vocal about it? Like if I was in the room with you, hanging out with you during the day, would I know that you're having extreme anxiety? Well, so it would depend on how close you were to me. But um, yeah, I would have been vocal about it for sure to like my best friends or Mike or anything like that. Because I was experiencing an actual issue with my eye and I wasn't sure exactly why that was going on. And I couldn't get like an answer that I was satisfied with for a while. So I think that was just in the back of my mind, like prodding me for a while um, until I finally saw a doctor that sort of like explained to me exactly why this wasn't a brain tumor. Um, But yeah, it was one of those things like I couldn't rest my mind until I had like much like better confirmation as to why, what was going on, which I think is also a lesson just in terms of if you feel like you're suffering from health anxiety or that kind of thing to, to advocate with your doctor and say, I need you to be very explicit with me as to why this is or is not happening, you know? So explain to me so I can put this to rest in my mind when I leave this doctor's office. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting now for me to go talk to somebody and sort of work it out a little bit and and get to the root of it so that I could, you know, maybe have less anxiety going forward. But usually I manage it from like taking deep breaths, bringing myself back to the moment. Like it's all sort of um, skills that I just use to cope with the anxiety, getting exercise and um redirecting my my attention a little bit you know like saying okay this is anxiety that I'm feeling this isn't necessarily a fact like this is a feeling that I get when I get triggered by certain things a health thing or whatever and that's not this doesn't mean that like this is a sign that we're all gonna die you know yeah light stuff like that and you know and like humor is is like an antidote for pain and suffering and all those things yeah, some people call it a defense mechanism. <laughs> Didn't want to say that. <laughs> um, professionals might refer to it as a defense mechanism. No, honestly, humor is awesome. I feel like it's like the best way to like be able to laugh at things and, and not take everything too seriously and not overthink fucking everything all the time. You know, maybe I don't need to like relive every... Um, painful thing. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm okay, you know, cause I do feel pretty much okay these days now. Maybe it'll come back. Maybe I'll deal with it then. Who knows? But anyway, big time adulting started because I started writing about what was going on with Callum when he was sick to family and friends. So I had started this blog and I decided to name it big time adulting. And here we are, you know, four years later with the same name and, um, an Instagram page sort of not based at all around what happened to Calm, but just as experiences as a mom, because um, as I've said many times before, I think that I felt all of these things that I was going through as, uh, as a mom on a day-to-day basis before anything happened to Calm. And I felt like I could have or wanted to share it and talk about it, but felt guilty probably. And then I think after what I went through with him, I was like, fuck that. I can say whatever I want about motherhood and these experiences. And I can joke about it and laugh about it or even gripe about it if I want to, because nobody's going to look me in the face and say, I'm not grateful for my kids after all that we've been through. And, um, 
or that, you know, you're a bad mom or whatever. And I could also give a fuck less at this point too. So that's how it sort of transpired. Um, I wanted to like write a book and, um, I needed to build an audience because that's kind of the way the publishing world works these days. So I decided to take my show on the road to Instagram and I, I've built an audience. So that's been sort of what happened. Ooh, nice tease there. Mm. Your your book. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I don't have time right now, (laughs) (laughs) but eventually I'd like to write a book. You were a college athlete. Yeah. I don't even know what you played. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I played lacrosse in college. I played, um, I also played field hockey in college, but I I stopped playing field hockey when I was a junior. Um, It wasn't like fulfilling me as much as my lacrosse experience. So, um, and it's a lot to play two sports in college. Um, I went to a division three school in Vermont called Middlebury College. Uh, it's a liberal arts college and it's part of a, a, I don't know what the hell is the word that I'm looking for, a conference of schools, like our athletic conference. And so to be able to play, you know, it was a decision between playing one sport or two sports in college. And I really wanted the two sport experience. And I think I didn't want the D1 experience necessarily where it was my college experience would have been so much more heavily about athletics and that the D3 experience would give me the opportunity to do more stuff or expand my interests. And, um, it was awesome. I just had like, and actually retrospectively, my college experience was very heavily weighted on my athletic experience just because it was just really an amazing time of life for me. We won two national championships. Um, and I was the captain of my team. My husband was the captain of his team. That's how we became friends and eventually lovers. And um, it was all just like my, my best friends um, were my teammates. And um, yeah, we were good. So it was fun. We won a lot. Yes. <laughs> As two athletes raising these three children, how do you approach sports with them? Are they signed up for everything oh or, or do you have like, like visions like, Oh, Lukey's going to totally be a amazing lacrosse player. <laughs> it's funny that you asked that. This is actually a topic that I'm very like interested in. And, um, and I try to be very moderate about my passion for like sports and athletics when it comes to talking to my kids about it. Cause I don't want them to feel pressured to, um, be a star athlete or even play any sports if they don't want to, particularly like our sports that we played. Like, I don't want them thinking that they have to like naturally be great at these sports because their parents played those sports. Um, I am competitive. I love sports. I love to watch sports. I love to play sports. Um, I'm coaching a lot of sports now, or I'm coaching lacrosse and stuff like that for little kids, like the first graders, like my daughter's age group. Um, And I'm not really a big fan of coaching, but I do it to give back. Um, And, you know, it's, it's hard. Like my oldest son is not... 
um, particularly athletic and, um, but he's particularly fucking awesome in a lot of other things. And I don't ever want him to feel like it's not as good as if he was good at sports. Um, and I actually don't even like, I hope he never, ever, ever hears this because I don't even want him to know that that's what I'm saying about his athletic ability right now. But my other two kids seem like very naturally inclined towards physical things and they have timing and cadence that is like very natural looking in sports. And, um, you can kind of tell that they sort of have it, you know, and, um, it's a different experience with my oldest child. And so my husband and I are really careful not to place, um, much emphasis on sports. It's all their choice. Do you want to sign up for this? And, the choices are limited because I don't want to over inundate them with too much shit. Yeah. Which will be another episode, which is over scheduling of kids. Yeah. That's a whole episode. When you guys are just out and about, does anyone come up to you and say like, Oh yeah, I know you. They do now. Actually. It's kind of crazy. And what are your kids? Are they embarrassed or? Well, Faye is like, mom, are you a celebrity? And I'm like, (laughs) no, I am absolutely not a celebrity. And um, Callum, like, doesn't really pay attention to it. Um, And Luke does not pay attention to it at all. But, um, you know, it's one of those things that it happens more and more. Um, We talked about this earlier, just like, you know, with kids and the way that they become aware (laughs) at some point in their lives and uh, start to, you know, like I've talked to my kids about what I do on the internet and, you know, I, you know, what I tell them about what I do is like, I, I have a page that's like about making moms laugh and talking about not only like funny stuff that kids do, but a lot of the hard stuff that happens when you're a mom and how hard it is to be a mom. And, and I try to help like other moms feel better and, um, and happier about their roles as moms or whatever, however I say it to them. But the whole other part of it is like, I tell, I, I, or I don't tell them now this, but I'm prepared to tell them at the, at the time comes when they want to ask me more about it. And when they're ready to have like a deeper conversation, maybe about what it is that I do, um, that I've also been like pursuing a dream of mine and that I would like you to know as my children that you should always pursue your dreams and go after like what you want in life and don't let people or anything else really hold you back from that because it can be a very fulfilling experience. And I hope that like at like at that point in life, they'll also be very aware of, you know, my love, support and protection of them. You know, at some point they won't be like, we didn't have any idea that you were like making fun of us every day. (laughs) Um, And who knows what I'll be doing at that time when they're old enough to really wrap their little minds around it. Yeah. And also like the bigger picture thing is I think it's valuable for our kids to see that we have passions and hobbies and we have work and we have dreams beyond just being at their beck and call. Yeah. And one day it'll be inspiring to them. Yeah. Like my mom was recently visiting and, um, my mother was a stay at home mom for the most part. She did some, like, she 
she taught when we were little and she taught like preschool. So like my brother and I had like gone to the preschool that she worked at. So it was all sort of like whatever. And then she was like a substitute teacher while we were in grade school at the school that we went to. So whatever she was doing was sort of integrated into our lives so that she could just always like be there for us. And I, I was talking to her recently about all this like kind of new stuff that I've got going on, like paying more attention to my podcast, like doing some other things on the other you know, side of my Instagram, whatever, and how Lukey will be going to a full day of school next year. And that will like really free me up in terms of being able to dedicate more time to all of this stuff, which I really and truly love doing. And I think she said something like completely in a harmless way, like not even really considering her words that much, but she was like, oh yeah, except for like, you know, maybe you'll do a half a day's for Lukey twice a week or something. So he can still come home because he's still little or whatever. And I was like, no, mom, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to put him in the full day, five days a week, because I'm trying to work more now. And that's a great thing for me. Like, it's really good for how I feel mentally and how I feel energized in life and how I show up as a mom. Um, when I need to be on for them, you know, but it's okay for me to prioritize wanting to work more. You're going to have to come up with like the name of your listeners. Oh God. Dak Shepard's like the arm cherries or Glennon Doyle's they call the pod squad. Oh my God. I don't know if I'll do it. <laughs> I don't know if I'll do it. <laughs> All right, it might it might just develop naturally. Maybe it will. The listeners will name themselves. They might. I might take a poll. We'll see what they want to be called. Who am I to name them? You know. <laughs> so, Cam, thank you so much for coming today for making me cry on my podcast. Thanks for having me, Caitlin. I appreciate all of the listeners here, and thanks for coming back again for another episode. Now go get yourself a snack, Caitlin. Get yourself a (laughs) fucking snack. Thanks so much for being here. For more information on today's episode, visit my show notes, and if you enjoyed it, leave me a review. Now get yourself a snack.